guys can see. And amen. Man, I just, man, I thank God for our worship team. Listen, when you're, when you're singing those songs, don't let your mind wander to where your week was or what's coming up. I mean, you're, you're worshiping God and you're preaching things to ourselves, right? Like John was saying, you know, that song, how he loves us. We need to be reminded of that, that God loves us. I just, man, I just love what we did this morning in worship. And uh, hey, I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor. If you're brand new, uh, we've got a free gift for you out there at the welcome area. Love to connect with you uh, really quick after church. We'll be out there. Love to pray with you, answer any questions that you may have. And um, before we jump in, um, I know that a lot of you uh, several of you, uh, several people are still uh, in the bed uh, who helped out with Judgment House uh, last night. And so uh, I, I know Tammy and Dana are up here. Tammy said, if you don't see me this morning, I'm somewhere taking a nap. Um, we, we wrapped up Judgment House last night uh, at 12.45 a.m. was the last time that I preached to a group last night. And, and we saw over just Friday and Saturday night. This is the first time we've ever done that. Did anybody, was anybody able to come and walk through Judgment House? Anybody able to come and check it out? Several of you were able to. And um, we, we took a lot of video. We're, we're going to be able to put up some things here in the next day or so just to kind of give you a glimpse of what it was. Um, but we, we, had, we had over 400 people come and walk through Judgment House Friday and Saturday. Over four, I don't know the exact number, but I know it was over 400. And we had... We had dozens of decisions for Christ. I mean, we had dozens of people rededicate, give their life to Jesus, pray. And, um, and, and, and even last night, the last session of the night, I mean, it was almost 1 o'clock in the morning, and people made decisions, and counselors were counseling, and, and, and God was moving. And, and so, so I come up here this morning, and I need you to know that I have had probably an illegal amount of coffee. And so I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm responsible for how the next few minutes goes today with a microphone. Uh, but uh, I just do want to say to our church, so many people put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and planning and work into Judgment House. And I just want to thank them from the bottom of my heart, from our church's heart. Uh, the kingdom of God advanced this weekend. And, and I'm going to say it in the next service, but uh, there's so many people that I would want to thank. Uh, just publicly just to say, hey, church, we just need to rally around them. They're not here. A lot of them are going to be in the next service. But I know Asina, uh, Myrtle, uh, and they, they just put so much work and, and time into this. If you, if you went through Judgment House, I'll say this, Asina's not here, so she'll get really embarrassed if I did this. People, people ask me, man, who, who, put this, who wrote this? Asina wrote everything that you saw this past weekend, uh, just a, a vision that God gave her. It's just a powerful time. And, but so many people worked and volunteered, built those sets, stayed late. You volunteered. And, and uh, Tiffany Combs over here uh, did uh, crowd control, and, and it was unbelievable because people, there, there were people, literally last night, there were some people that waited like three or four hours to go through it. I mean, it took an hour to go through anyway. People waited a long time. And Tiffany was out there in the gym. She was showing movies, playing games. She had kids running games. And, and she was just killing it on crowd control last night. And so uh, it was, yeah, so, so when we get to heaven, Tiffany's job is just to control everybody, you know, just crowd control. That's, that's what Tiffany's doing, man. It's going to be but no, it's just awesome. It was just so awesome to see everybody, just to see how God just pulled everything together. It's just an unbelievable time. And uh, uh, so coming in late on a little, little bit of sleep, man, I'm just blown away by how God worked this past weekend. So, I, so thank you guys for how you served and prayed. I know a lot of you, maybe you weren't able to come, but you prayed. Just an unbelievable uh, weekend. Uh, and, and, and 
check out some of the videos and things like that. WYMT was there. That, I think they put up a video of it last night uh, as well. And so, man, it was just awesome, awesome time. So I tell you what, I'm going to pray this morning. Uh, we are in part three of our series, The Shadow. Now, here's what we're going to do. This series takes a turn today. Uh, so the first week, we talked about how we all have the shadow self, the false self, uh, that we have this tendency to pretend, and we, we forget who, who God says we are, who we are in Christ, that sort of thing. Last week, we talked about this thing called the religious self, the religious shadow, and you can go back and listen to that. The series takes a turn today, and so what we're going to do starting today and then ending it up next week, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to talk about, okay, how do we start to lean into and live out who we are in Christ, live out of the true self, who God says we are. So today and next week are really uh, parts, uh, parts of each other, part one, part two, and so everything takes a turn today. Uh, so let's go to God and let's ask Him to speak to us this morning. Father, if you don't come right now by your Spirit then this will just be an hour where we sang and we, we, we heard a speech that maybe said a few things inspired us, the songs inspired us, but God, if you don't, if you don't come by your Holy Spirit, then, then the danger is that we could get really close to you like we talked about last week and completely miss you. God, we don't, we don't really particularly need to be inspired. We need something actually deeper than that. God, we need something to get down into our hearts and to change us. We need our eyes open. We need our hearts to wake up because maybe we did come in here and maybe something from the week or anything like that. God, we're physically tired, but God, maybe even deeper than that, our hearts are tired. Our hearts are weary. Our hearts are, are just hardened from, from, from everything going on this week. And so, Jesus, we just need you to wake us up this morning in every way and give us energy. And, and God, speak to us because I love what John said. Everything that we're about to say Everything in us and everything from the enemy is going to fight hard against the next few minutes. Everything in us is going to say, this sermon is not for you, it's not true about you. And so Jesus, would you just give us every single thing that we need? Would you just cover us with the armor of God right now to protect us? God, as, as, as the enemy just tries to steal what we're to talk about away from us, God, because if we can understand this, if you can drop this in our hearts, this changes everything. So, Father, we love you. We ask God this in Jesus' name. And everybody said real loud, amen, amen. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. You, you go to church regularly. It doesn't matter what you believe about spiritual things or anything like that. Every single person, not just one time in their life, but over and over, will ask themselves the question, who am I? And the way that you answer that question is going to be one of the most powerful forces that shapes who you are and how you live in the world. So, so just think to yourself really quickly, honestly, to yourself, how would you answer that question? Who are you? And, and there's a lot of different ways that people try to answer that question. Some people, they go to external titles or labels that have been placed on them. I'm a mom or dad. Uh, I want to be a parent someday. I'm married. I'm single. I'm dating. I'm not in a relationship. I'm divorced. I'm uh, about to, I'm, I'm dating someone, that sort of thing. Or we define ourselves by our job titles. You, you get somebody's name, the second question you ask them is what? What do you do, right? It's right up there with who you are. And so maybe that's how you would answer the question, who am I? I am a blank, insert your job. Or maybe you're a student. I'm a student at blank 
insert the name of your school. Maybe if you, if you don't know how to answer that question, you look to other people to give you the answer to that question. So you look to your family, you look to your friends. And, and here's the thing, if you are looking to other people to tell you who you are, then you need to wonder who's telling them who they are, right? So, so if you're looking to other people to tell you who you are, your, your family, your friends, your co-workers, then you better hope that they know who they are and you need to wonder who's telling them who they are. Or maybe uh, we look to the world to tell us who we are. We look to culture to tell us who we are, what, what to wear, what brands to buy, way, the way to act, the, the way to talk, the way that we need to carry ourselves. Who are you? That's one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves. And really another question that we need to ask even behind this one is why do we ask that question in the first place? Think about it for a second. There isn't anything else in creation that asks the question, who am I? I mean, dogs and cats are not one walking around right now looking for purpose and meaning for their life, right? Animals are not looking for purpose and meaning for their life. There isn't anything else in all creation that's looking for purpose, hope, meaning, asking that question. So a really good question is why is it that human beings are just on this insatiable quest to find out who we are? Where'd that even come from? And there might be different, different opinions about where that came from, but I just want to put my opinion on the table this morning and suggest to you that that quest that we're all on, God wrote that quest on our hearts. We were made by God to ask this question. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3.11 just says very quickly that, that God has written eternity in our hearts, that God wrote eternity in us. So there's this desire for purpose, for life, and meaning. So if God has put that quest on our hearts, maybe the way that we answer the question, who am I, is we have to ask God, God, who am I? I love what author David Benner says. David Benner says this, because so many people go around, they try to find themselves by looking inward, looking inside at themselves. I love what he says. He says this quote, we don't discover ourselves by looking at ourselves. We discover ourselves by looking at God. You, you don't discover who you are by seeking something on the inside. You want to know who you are, you have to seek God, you want to find yourself. You, you don't need to travel the world and go to all these uh, exotic locations and go on this inner quest to discover who you are. If you want to know who you are, you need to seek God. You need to know God. You need to look at God. And here's why. Because God actually answers that question. The question, who am I? God answers that question. I mean, just from the fact that we're made in the image of God, means that for every person in the room right now, whether you're a Christian or not, just from the fact that we're made by God in His image means that every one of us just have intrinsic worth and value. Your life matters. So God tells you that right out of the gate. But if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, there are specific things that God says are true about you right now. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, there are very specific things that God says are true about you, about me, in Christ. We have an identity in Jesus. And one of the most important things we can do in the spiritual life as we're following Jesus is, is get rooted in our identity in Christ. Those things that God says are true about us, to get them deeper in our hearts, we get rooted in who we are in 
Christ. I love this quote from Henry Nouwen. He says this. He says that the spiritual life requires a constant claiming of our true identity. So what's it mean to follow Jesus? What it means to follow Jesus is to go back to over and over, who does God say that I am? Who am I in Christ? But here's the problem. You can't do that if you don't know who you are in Christ. You, you can't go back to who God says you are in Jesus if you don't know who God says you are in Jesus. So who are you in Christ? Who are we in Christ? I, I want us to see that today. And, and one of the most succinct places, one of the places where that, that's just jam-packed in one place in Scripture is in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be in verses 3 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus, by extension, you and me this morning. And look at what he says here. Here's what we're going to do. Hey, before we do this, let's do this. Uh, let's do this, all right? Let's, uh, it's, it's 9.30. It's early. It's a little rainy outside, all right? So, so just to make sure that you're with me uh, this morning, and we're about to read some really big statements that God says are true about you. So I don't want you to miss this, all right? While we're reading this, I want you to say to yourself, God says this about me this morning. God is saying this about me right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to stand up as we read God's word this morning. So everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. There we go. All right. And watch these verses here. If you've got a Bible, read this along with me, but they're on the screen here. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he's blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is God's word to you. You can be seated. Now here's what Paul does. Paul, so so in, in, in your Bible, on the screen, that is one long passage of Scripture. But here's what you need to know. In Greek, the original language of the New Testament, when Paul wrote those words, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, 
Paul is so fired up and excited about what he's talking about. In the original Greek language, 3 through 14 is one long sentence. So if you are like, if you are like a grammar junkie, you know what I'm saying? You know, every th- dots and you know, periods, commas, and all that stuff need to be in the right place. Paul would just cause you to lose your ever-loving mind in the Greek New Testament right here. Because Paul is so caught up in praise of who we are in Christ. It's just one long sentence in the Greek New Testament. It doesn't stop from 3 to 14. Because Paul is just caught up in this is who Jesus says I am. And so if we're going to feel the gravity of this, if we're going to be who we are in Christ and and be shaped by that, answer the question, who am I? I I just want us to see two things this morning. So if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do that, these are are just some revolutionary things you got to see this morning. Here's the first thing we need to see. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. You and I, we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. In in those first few verses, verses 3 through 6, Paul uses the word blessed three times. I mean, it starts out with it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, actually three times in verse 3, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And he uses it again in just a few verses. But did you notice right there in that first verse, three times Paul uses the word blessed. Here's the thing. Answer this question to yourself. Would you right now this morning say, you know what, I'm blessed today. Again, don't answer that out loud. Would you answer that question, man, I am blessed this morning. You know, I got on, when I was writing this uh, sermon a couple of weeks ago, uh, thinking about this, I got on Instagram and looked up hashtag blessed, right? And, and, and let me show you something. When I looked it up, there were 116 million posts on Instagram that day, people using hashtag blessed. I saw people, you know, using Bible verses and things like that. Let, let me show you a few of the pictures that I got here. I, I, saw, I saw this picture right here. I don't know if we can bring it up. I saw a lot of dogs. All right, so, so hashtag blessed, here's my dog. I don't know who that dog was. Uh, here's the guy, he's spearfishing. That's not, he didn't do that in Carfork Lake, so if you're wondering. Um, I don't know who that is, but here's the guy, just hashtag blessed, I'm spearfishing. I'll show you one more here. Look at this guy. I saw a lot of these, to be honest. I saw a lot of people in the gym, they weren't sweating, didn't look like they were, had a workout in yet, but man, they were flexing, they were hashtag blessed. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know. Maybe, maybe this was pre-workout. Maybe it was post. I don't know. But, but a lot of people in the gym flexing hashtag blessed. And here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm not saying that what Paul is talking about when he says blessed, I'm not saying that the idea of being blessed by God can't include, doesn't include spear fishing in some awesome location or your dog or flexing at the gym. Uh, it might, but I just need you to know when Paul uses the word blessed, he doesn't mean any of that. See, here's the problem. The problem is that we have a filter, and we, the filter that we put on the word blessed is that we think the word blessed means a couple of things. The word blessed means, one, stuff. Two, it means that everything in my life is going up and to the right. Everything is awesome. And three, it's probably somebody else, not me right now. But did you notice at the end of this verse, verse 3, look at this. Verse th- uh, ver- uh, yeah, verse 3, look at the very end of it. We are blessed, look at it, with every spiritual blessing. Right now, did you see that? Right now, you in the room, me right here, every single one of us, if we're followers of Jesus, we are blessed with every single spiritual blessing right now. So just right out of the gate, what that says to me and what it says to all of us is that God probably has a different view on our lives than we do. 
So many times we look at our lives and we think, my life stinks. Nothing wor nothing's working out right. My life is cursed. I've heard Christians say that. My life is cursed. Nothing is going right. But God looks at your life right now and he sees somebody who is immersed in blessing. And here's the thing, Paul doesn't use that word in a vague way. Paul defines those blessings. Everything in 3 through 14 is defining what those spiritual blessings are. So look at it. Here's the first one. The first one is that we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That, that God chose us before, look at that phrase, before the foundation of the world. That phrase, before the foundation of the world, means that there wasn't anything else other than God himself. God hadn't created anything. This was before any of us had been created, any human had been created. There was no creation, period. There was the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God knew that he would make you, and God chose you. Think about that for a second. That flies in the face of everything in the world that tries to answer the question, who am I, by saying, I am what I do or produce. Listen, when God shows you, you weren't even alive. You weren't even in existence. You hadn't done anything yet. That, that thing that, that, that happened to you, that thing that you did that you're convinced excludes you from the love and grace of God, hadn't even happened yet. God saw you and chose you. You've been chosen by God before you did anything, before we did anything. And look at that phrase here. That, that phrase is so huge that God shows us in him in him, you got to remember that phrase because, listen to me, and some of you, it's happening right now. Everything inside of us, and the devil is going to tell you all morning long that this sermon is not true for you, that you're too messed up for this. This isn't true because you don't feel it. Ever been there? Right? This isn't true because I don't feel like it's true, especially the next one. Look at this. God shows us in him, look at this, to be holy and blameless. Imagine that, imagine for a second, you walked in this morning, you saw somebody that you haven't seen since church last Sunday, and you walked up to them and you said, hey, how was your week? And they looked at you and they said, man, I was really holy this week. I was blameless this week. How was your week, bro? Like, you ain't got nothing after that, right? Right? I, probably nobody is feeling that, right? You're looking at your week and maybe you feel like a hot mess or, or a trainer. Holy and, and blameless. See, here's what you need to understand. Every single one of these... See that phrase, in him, every single one of these, they come through Jesus. So what that means is this. When God looks at you, Christian follower of Jesus, listen to this. When God looks at you, he does not see you for simply you. God sees you as someone completely covered by the finished work of Jesus. So what that means is this. God doesn't see you simply for who you are right now in that seat. God sees you for who you're going to be. God sees you for who you're becoming. Think about it this way. When God looks at you right now in Christ, God sees the finished product. Did you know that? One day you will be perfectly holy, perfectly blameless. The days of you struggling with sin are numbered. When we are in the presence of Jesus in the kingdom of God, we are going to be holy, perfectly blameless. So when God looks at us now, he sees a holy people. He doesn't see all the sin you're struggling with. He doesn't see all the baggage in your life. He sees a holy and blameless people. God sees the finished product of who we're going to be right now. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit is making us who we're going to be. Does that make sense? 
The, the Holy Spirit right now is making you and me who we're going to be in Christ. God doesn't see us for who we are right now. God sees us for who we are, who we're going to be in Christ. So we're holy and blameless. Look at verse 5. Here's, here's another one. It says this. It says that God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Listen, don't get caught up, by the way, on those words predestined and chosen. Man, the church for too long has fought over those words. The church for too long has divided over those words. And I have opinions about those words, and you can ask me about those words. And people ask all the time, Mark, how's that work out? Free will and, and God choosing us. How does that work out? Listen, listen, if Paul would have wanted us to get lost in those weeds, that would have been what 3 through 14 was about. Paul just mentions them really quick because the point isn't for us to get caught up and argue over these words. Paul wants us to see, look, before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be holy and blameless. The Spirit is making you into a holy person now. And before you were even alive, God predestined you, look at it, for adoption. That you would be his son, that you would be his daughter. So when we answer the question, who am I? Man, our first answer as Christians, our first answer as followers of Jesus, our first answer to the question, who am I, needs to be, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. In fact, just start telling people that. You meet somebody new, give them your name, tell them, I'm a child of God. I'm Mark Holmes, child of God. Use that at parties. I bet it'll go over really well, right? right? But here's the deal. This is how God sees you. And growing as a Christian is learning to see yourself the way that God sees you. Just before we leave this point, I love this quote from Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen, uh, Henry Nouwen says this quote. Look at this. It's on the screen. I love this quote. Dear friends, I want you to hear this. What is said of Jesus is said of you I know this can be hard to affirm. You are the beloved daughter or son of God. Can you believe it? Can you hear it? Not only in your head, through your physical ears, but in your gut. Hear it so that your whole life can be turned around. Go to the scriptures and read. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have written your name in the palm of my hand from all of eternity. I have molded you in the depths of the earth, knitted you together in your mother's womb. I love you. I embrace you. You are mine and I am yours and you belong to me. You have to hear this because if you can hear this divine voice speak to you from all of eternity, then your life will become more and more the life of the beloved because that is who you are. You have to see yourself the way that God sees you. But here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. We have to see ourselves as ourselves. So not only do we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us, we need to see ourselves as ourselves. Now you might be thinking, oh, now this one's easy. The first one I wasn't really with you on. I have a hard time seeing myself the way that God does. But Mark, I'm with you on this one. I have a complete vision of who I am. I totally see myself for who I am because I am a loser. 
I am a failure. I'm the person, Mark, that everything I touch breaks. I'm the person, Mark, that never does anything right. Mark, I absolutely see myself the way for who I really am. I'm the person who started that business and it closed. Mark, I'm the person who didn't make the team. I'm the person who struggles with those fantasies. I'm the person who has a hard time trusting God. So I understand completely what it means to see myself as I am. So many times when I talk to Christians, let's just be real. And let's just be real. Let's just be real. All right. So many times when I talk to people, and I'm talking like in this church, like I'm just talking to Christians, but let's just talk right here. So many times when I hear Christians talk about themselves, we talk about ourselves as if we're just this filthy, rotten, no good, dirty, worthless sinner. It's all I am. We talk about this way, right? It's all I am. I'm just a sinner. We even have bumper stickers that say things like this. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But what we emphasize is the sinner. Man, I am messed up. I can't do anything right. I struggle. A lot of times we talk as if Jesus was able to barely save any of us. Amen? Do you know what I mean? A lot of times we talk as if one day we're going to get to heaven, look at Jesus, and Jesus is going to look at us and say, man, listen, you barely made it here, brother. Whoa, you were a hot mess the whole time. We didn't think we were going to be able to handle you. And we talk about ourselves as, as all we are is our sin. All we are is our struggle. All we are is our brokenness. Let's read verses 7 through 10. When we read 7 through 10, ask yourself, does this sound like I'm barely saved? 7 through 10. Look at it. Here we go. 7 through 10. In Jesus, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Look at that. This doesn't sound to me like we are barely saved. Verse 7, in Jesus we have redemption. Do you understand you have it this morning? Hello? Hello? Oh, come on. Can I only get two amens? Listen, I was up all night long. I've been drinking coffee since last night at 8 o'clock. All right? Is that a, you have redemption right now. Like you have it. You are not working to get redemption. You have it this morning. Doesn't matter if you feel it or not. Do you feel that the grass is green? It doesn't matter because it is. Do you feel, do you feel uh, all of the things that are true in the world? It doesn't matter. It didn't ask you about how you feel. Listen, this doesn't ask you how you feel. In Jesus, you have redemption. We have it. All of our sin has been paid for. Look at this next phrase here that he says. He says in verse 8 that God has lavished upon us all wisdom and insight. I've never used the word lavish in a sentence in my life. I don't even know if I could use that word correctly. But what that is saying to me is that is saying that God has lavished on all of us a generous amount of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Do you understand that that's who you are this morning? Listen, you're not simply a sinner. You're a redeemed sinner. Not simply a sinner. You are a deeply loved by God sinner. You have redemption. God has lavished on you his mercy and grace. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. This is, this is who we are. We're, we're, you're a deeply loved sinner. Even though you might struggle with sin, even though there's still, still sin in our lives, listen, the power of sin has been broken over your life. Crickets. Okay, all right. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I came. I'm glad I came. I'm glad you came too. The power of sin has been broken over your life. Now, now, now. I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd do that. You guys play along really well with my sermons. Here's why, here's why some of you have been arguing with me for the past 15 minutes about why this sermon ain't true for you. Here's why, all right? Some of you have been arguing with me for 15 minutes. This ain't true for me, man. You don't know my week. You don't, listen, man, you're talking about like, like I'm adopted son of God. You don't know, I kicked the dog a bunch of times this week, said things to my wife I shouldn't have said, put stuff online. Listen, you, listen there's no, some of you have been arguing with me the entire time about why this isn't true of you, that this is true for other people, but not you. And, and, and here's the thing about a sermon. It's really hard to give practical advice, you know, wisdom, that sort of thing, in an environment like this with a big crowd rather than a one-on-one -on -one conversation. But can I give you maybe the reason why we have a hard time believing what I'm talking about this morning? I think there's two. One reason you might have a hard time believing this is because, listen, if Sunday morning for one hour is the only time you hear God tell you who you are and you spend all the other seven days of the week being shaped and listen to the voice of the world, the flesh, and the devil, it makes total sense to me why this sermon is bouncing off of you like nothing today. It makes total sense to me why you're not receiving this. Because you're not being shaped by the voice of God, you're being shaped by the voice of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right? One hour a week is simply not enough. As soon as this sermon ends, as soon as church ends today, you're going to get in the car, you're going to go out in the world, and the world's going to tell you you are either what you have, what you do, or where you've been, who you are. That's who you are. God is telling us, no, you're my son, you're my daughter, this is who you are. You're a deeply loved, redeemed sinner. So maybe we have a hard time hearing this because, one, we just listen to God one hour a week and we don't listen to him the rest of the week. But I think the second one's the biggest one. Here's why I think the second one's the biggest one. I think the reason that we have a hard time hearing God on this is because the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we talk about ourselves is the complete opposite of the way that God talks about us and thinks about us. Do you understand? Let me say that again. One of the reasons we have a hard time with what God is saying, receiving our identity in Christ, is because the way that we tend to talk about ourselves and think about ourselves is the complete opposite of the way that God talks about us and thinks about us. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18 says that our words have the power of life and death. Think about that for a second. Your words have the power for life and death. Has anybody ever said anything to you that's so hurtful that you still remember it to this day? Anybody in the room? Put your hand up. My hand's up. Look at that. Look at all those hands. Listen, you can say things to you that are just as devastating, right? You can say things to you that are just as devastating. James, the book of James says that the tongue is a fire. Think about that for a minute. Listen, this is not pop psychology. This is not self-help, anything like that. We're going to talk about this actually uh, in, in depth in the next series we're going to do. There is a kingdom principle called sowing and reaping. You're familiar with this, right? That you reap what you what? You reap what you sow. Look at me. Every single word you say and thought you have is a seed you are sowing in your own life. You hear that? Let me say that again. That's huge. That was worth the price of admission this morning. Every single word you say, thought you have, is a seed you are sowing into your life. 
So when God says you are my, my beloved son and daughter and you have spent seven days telling yourself that you're a failure, no one loves me, no one notices me, I never do anything right, it is virtually impossible apart from a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to receive your identity in Christ when you are sowing lies into your own heart. And that doubt and that insecurity that flows from those lies that we're speaking we're reaping what we're sowing. Hello? Do you understand this? We're, we're reaping what we're sowing. What if, so what if, what if by the power of the Holy Spirit, and listen, this has got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. What if by the power of the Holy Spirit, we started to change the way that we talked about ourselves, our circumstances, our lives, the way that we think about our circumstances and our lives and ourselves. What if by the power of the Holy Spirit, we started to change those things so that over time they began to line up with who we are in Christ? This is a miracle. And the reason that it is a miracle is because I'm, I'm 41. I'm 41. All right, I know, I know. I look really good for my age. I know, I know. So I, you tell me this all the time, and I love our church. But, but here's the deal, here's the deal. I ain't preaching to nobody but me in this sermon right now. I ain't preaching to nobody. If this isn't for you, this sermon's at least for me. I ain't preaching to nobody but me right now, that I'm a failure, that nobody likes me, that this sermon is, is worthless, that, that I never do anything right. God doesn't want to use you anymore. On and on and on and on and on. I am 41. Here's what that means. That I have lied to myself in a lot of ways for 41 years. And it takes a powerful move of the Holy Spirit to untangle all of those lies that I told me. Untangle all of the deception that I've told myself. So that the Holy Spirit can plant truth in my heart in place of the lies. Does that make sense? Does that make, does that make sense? Right? So, so when you think about you, it takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to untangle and undo and uproot all of those lies and deception that we've told ourselves for years and replace them with truth. But what if, what if instead of looking at your life and we constantly say to ourselves, maybe out loud to other people or the way that I think, what if the way that we talked about our lives went from nothing works out, everything's a mess, everything's always falling apart, to verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, watch, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What if we started to look at our lives and just say that thing? This is hard. This might not be the way that I would have wrote my story, but I'm telling you somebody's in control of my story, and he is working all things together according to the counsel of his will. Right? And you tell yourself that tomorrow, and you tell yourself that every single time that you need to hear that. Listen, the first thousand times you tell yourself that, you're not going to believe it. Why? You've lied to yourself for decades. But I am telling you, the Spirit of God is at work in your life when there is a shift in your heart. And that lie begins to give way to the truth that you are held by the hand of a good God. Amen? Right? But, but, but that's the Spirit, man, the Spirit of God has to do that miracle. What if you just change that inner dialogue? I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. Nobody knows who I am. I can't fit in. What if you change that to I am a beloved son or daughter of God? I'm a beloved son or daughter of God. And look at me. Look at me right now in Jesus' name. That label is enough. That label is enough. Well, 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 one day, one day I hope to make it. Listen, God's chosen you. You've already made it. 
America and the culture can define success however they want. Listen, you are already a success. Why? Because you have been chosen by the one true living God. You are his and no one can take you from him. You have already made it. You're already loved. You're already noticed. You've already been chosen. What if we just begin to change this inner dialogue to this is who God says I am? Man, can I, can I just tell you more and more in this season of my life, especially at the beginning of the day, my, those first moments of the day for, between me and God, more and more this season of my life, my relationship with God at the beginning of every day is really revolving around the question, God, who are you and who am I? And that just changes things in my life. What if, what if you just begin to sow those things in your life? Parents, parents talk to me all the time. How can I, how can I help my kids know God? Mark, how can I disciple my kids? You want to know one way to disciple your kids? Here's one way to disciple your kids. Show them unconditional love. Show them unconditional love. Doesn't mean you don't discipline or anything like that, but unconditional love. Why? Because you are sowing into their hearts, prepping, prepping fertile ground so that they can receive possibly the unconditional love of God. What if we talk to each other this way? Right? What if we started to talk to each other this way as a church? The Bible says to encourage one another. And so I share my struggles with you, and you look at me and say, listen, I'm going to pray for you, but Mark, look at me. You are not your struggle. You are a child of God. Listen, Mark, one day you won't struggle ever again. We're going to pray, and I'm going to walk with you through this. But, Mark, your struggle is not who you are. You are a child of God. We started to talk this way. Listen, listen, and we're done. Here's how hard this is. Here's how hard this is. Don't think that this takes the flip of a switch. Don't think that this happens overnight. And don't think, oh, you know what, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal. When Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son, and I am pleased with him. What is that? Son, this is who you are. You're mine, and I'm pleased with you. Jesus hadn't preached a single sermon, hadn't healed anybody, hadn't done anything. Before Jesus did anything, God the Father wanted his son to know, I'm already pleased with you. You're my son. The very next thing that happens is the Holy Spirit, it says, drives Jesus into the wilderness to be, tempted with the de to, uh, to be tempted by the devil. And all of the devil's temptations, read it, look at it for yourself. All of the devil's temptations to Jesus start this way. If you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you're the son of God, why don't you jump off this building right now? Angels will come and rescue you. Hey, if you're the son of God, if... You're the son of God. Wait a second. God the Father had already established that Jesus was the son of God. Hello? What is Satan trying to get him to do? Satan is trying to get Jesus to doubt his identity. If that was the thing that, that Satan wanted to trip Jesus up on, you can guarantee you that what we're talking about right now is the front lines of spiritual warfare. The enemy does not want you to believe this. The enemy does not want you to start living this way. But right now, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to begin to say to ourselves, who am I? And we just need to answer it the way that God says it. I'm a child of God. I am blessed with every single spiritual blessing. I, I, I've been lavished by the grace of God. I have redemption through the Son of God. I, everything, everything in my life is being worked out according to the counsel of God's will. Verse 13, I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am who God says I am. And the deeper that goes into us, the more we will be changed. Would you pray with me this morning? God, God, I pray that right now, just in Jesus' name, 
you would help us to see the weight of this, the significance of this, that we are not who maybe the world has told us we are. Maybe our parents told us that we're something. Maybe our friends are telling us that we're something. Maybe our spouse. And it doesn't line up with who you say we are. God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would start a revolutionary work in this church, that we would begin to see ourselves and define ourselves as the saved and loved children of God. That more and more, the labels that the world has, has put on us, God, they would, just, they would just be replaced with who we are in Christ. And God, we can't do this on our own. Father, we really need the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural move of God for this to happen. Because I've lied to me. The, the devil has lied to us. We've listened to other voices for so long that who we are in Christ just feels like something almost from another world. But Holy Spirit, if you can give eyes to the blind, if you can raise the dead, you can change hearts. God, would you change our hearts? Would you change our hearts, God, as we begin to see ourselves for who you say we are, and we see ourselves as we are, the beloved sons and daughters of God. So just with every head bowed and every eye closed, you might be here today, and maybe you would say, Mark, I have listened to so many other voices and lies for so long that hearing God tell me who I am, it's really hard for me to believe. So I am praying that the Holy Spirit does a supernatural work in my life, that those lies would be uprooted and deep in my heart, it would start to be planted who I am in Christ. If that's you today and that's your heart, would you just raise your hand right now? Say, I've listened to lies for too long and I need to start listening to who God says I am. Anyone in the room, just put your hand up right now. There's another one right there. Several hands going up over here to my left. Anyone else? Anyone else? Well, Father, I, I pray that, that right now, God, you just remind us that this isn't going to happen automatically. God, there's going to have to be some just Holy Spirit effort. There's going to have to be some, some work put into this. And so, God, I pray. I pray, Jesus, that, that you would show us what that would begin to look like, Jesus. If we begin to seek you, to hear you say every day who we are, your love for us, our identity in Christ. God, whatever that looks like, God, if it means that we need to start seeking you every day in the Scriptures. We need to begin to build a consistent prayer time in our lives. God, maybe there's voices that we listen to over and over, and those voices need to begin to be eliminated. Whatever that is, God, this is not going to happen without work, without effort, without Holy Spirit-given self-control. And so, God, would you give it to us? But listen, you might be here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, right now that's the invitation from you. You can leave with a brand new identity. You can leave as a son or a daughter of the one true living God. But you need to come to Christ today. So if you're here today and you, you've never given your life to Jesus, you want to be saved today, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. Make me brand new. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. 
God, I give my life to you today for the first time. 